What, we some kind of suicide squad? I am Iron Man. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Server Anakin, I have the high ground. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Welcome back to the Big Movie Boys podcast, the only podcast to finally get recognized by the Academy after all this time. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauman, and with me as always is Ben Stitch. How's it going, fellow Big Movie Boys? And Bob Liebel. Hey, yeah, uh, Jeremy, quick, uh, quick fucking question for you there, buddy. Um, what happened to last week's episode? Why did that come out late? That is a wonderful question that has a very stupid answer. Did you guys uh, both listen back to it last week? I did. Yes. So do you have any ideas? Did Did anything seem a little off while you were listening to it? I don't listen to enough of these things to actually pick up on differences. Bob, did you notice it? It sounded as five-star quality as it always does, so no, I don't know. Whichever was it. I'm glad to hear that. Let me start with a quick story, something you guys know that maybe the folks listening aren't aware of, but uh, as of this episode, assuming people are listening to it right now, this is our 40th episode over the last 44 weeks, give or take. Definitely Good work. more than anyone expected. Holy, holy shit. More than anyone expected or wanted. That's, That's very true. That's 10 times more than I expected. <laughs> And uh, over that time, we have lost two episodes. I'm going to say we because we succeed and fail together. But there yeah. was the episode with Jordan where we talked about the Legend of Korra. We all thought that was a good episode. Unfortunately, we didn't have Jordan's audio, so that one did not get released. Probably not the worst thing ever because the only people who would have cared about that were the four of us talking about it. So, <laughs> you know. We got past that one. Then while we were doing all of our guest episodes, we had, did one with my brother prior to the one that came out with him. We all agreed. Great episode. Uh, unfortunately, probably probably our the best. One that came out. <laughs> yeah. We all thought probably it was a really good episode. one. <laughs> yeah. um, and I didn't have anyone else's audio. Only had my audio for that one. So unfortunately, that one was lost to time as well. You should have just released that and just seen what happened. Just really long pauses between me talking. <laughs> so cut to last week. We do our second episode of Lord of the Rings. We all agree. Great episode. Better than the first. Ben was gracious enough to even text me a compliment a couple days later. I'm going to let you guys know. Let's not think that we're doing good episodes anymore. That is the kiss of death. <laughs> I go to edit it and I don't see the correct number of audio tracks. And already, I'm ready to put my fist through my monitor. I'm pissed off. I'm like, you know what? I'll just hit play anyway. Maybe the waveforms aren't showing up, right? I'm in denial at this point. And all I hear are your two voices. I'm like, well, this is new. I've never lost my audio before. So uh, on Monday, the day the podcast would normally go out, I re-recorded my part of the podcast like a crazy person. Listening back to your guys' recorded voices and responding no, in as no close to the same way as I no could. No fucking way. I wouldn't lie about it. It was Jeremy, that's torturous. Are you fucking kidding me? No fucking you're full of shit. There's no way. I had to cut some parts because I forgot what I said. I was trying to tell the same jokes at the same time to try to match, you know, as close as I could. But yeah, everything that you heard in that podcast, your guys' audio was from that Friday or Saturday, and mine was from Monday. 
I need to listen back to this again with new new eyes. Holy fucking shit, dude! How long this is why we gotta. This is why we gotta start doing these sober, Bob, because we don't remember what we what we say or anything, and then we Jeremy, listen back. You, and we're like, that sounds right. If you had to do that with me, and I had to re say the. I don't even remember what I said. A different five, podcast. I remember what I said five seconds ago. No fucking way. That's crazy. Yeah, it was not wow. easy. It was not fun. I will say I did not enjoy doing it, but I would have been so I was so pissed because I'm like, it's the second of a three part series. Like we can't just have the first episode come out and then do the third one. So I said, yeah. Ultimately, it was my fault that the audio didn't record, and I had to do it again. Jeremy, I would have kicked your fucking ass if this episode didn't come out. So I'm so happy that you actually did that because, goddamn, dude, that is that's impressive. That's Wait, dedication. Yeah. Jer, how long did that take you? Because you had to listen to it and then keep pausing, right, to do your part. Yeah, it took forever. I mean, I usually like quadrupled the amount of time it takes me to to do this, to like do the editing because I had to run through it while pausing, re-recording my lines, and then go through the whole thing again moving my lines around and cutting your guys's here and there where it didn't quite match up. So I had to play the freaking big movie boy challenge again and give all the same answers. Oh God. <laughs> so it was good. Ben, I technically beat you twice in that game now. So yeah, congratulations. It would have been even better if you lost this time around. I thought about wow. it. I was like, is there a way I could do that? But <laughs> no, I, I just did it as closely as I remembered I could. I will, I listened back to it after all was said and done. I was like, you know what? I think it I think it came out pretty well. I I legitimately didn't have high hopes for it, and then when I listened back, I was like, it's as good as any of the other ones. So You tricked you tricked all five of the listeners, dude, easily. Fucking idiots. Yeah, so that that's how I spent my Monday after work. That was a lot of fun. But uh I will say beating Ben Again, in the Big Movie Boy Challenge, felt good. I was double excited to not have to watch Artemis Fowl myself. Dude, don't even get me started on this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. So I had to watch Artemis Fowl. I didn't realize it was. Uh, it came out until uh, in 2020 until right now. I'm just finding this out. It was. It was uh, uh, I think it was the first one Disney pushed onto Disney Plus post pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So directed by Kenneth Branagh. Renag? I don't Ron. know anything else about this movie. That's, that's all uh, you're going to get from me. You know, that's Seder in Tenet. Oh, get really? the fuck out of yeah. town. He, he was the director of this movie? Okay. Yeah, he's dire- he directed the first Thor movie. He's directed a bunch of stuff. I am learning right. so much on this podcast. He should stick to acting. Um, Yeah, so this movie, I'm sure, like like most people, I went into this thinking it was connected to Harry Potter. Right, Bob? You did too. You thought it was a Harry Potter movie? Why the fuck did you think this is a Harry <laughs> Potter movie? Whenever I saw the first trailer, I'm like, this is like a Harry Potter in the future thing, or it's like the prequel. I don't know. I thought Artemis Fowl was a Harry Potter in the same universe. And after watching, I, I don't know if that's wrong, but it's uh, it definitely isn't connected directly to Harry Potter. Not sure if it's wrong, but it's definitely not right. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. not right. But it's not wrong either. So it starts with Josh Gad, who I didn't know was in this movie, who plays Mulch Diggums. Yeah, his name is Mulch Diggums. Good name. And he's literally, he literally just is, uh, what is he in this movie? He's uh, a, not a, it's it's connected to, this is why it's going to be confusing for me to do this. Because I didn't write it down. I asked Jeremy, do I have to write it down? And I should have. Because they use the same terms as 
as Lord of the Rings, but they're like a little off. So he plays like a dwarf, but he's not a he's like a dwarf, but he's a gigantic dwarf. And the other dwarves make fun of him, make fun of him for being too big, but he's still made fun of for not being a dwarf. I don't know. It's fucking stupid. He's like narrating the whole time that it's taking place. He's a dwarf the size of Josh Gad. (laughs) Yeah, it's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why even make him that? And apparently uh, those guys like treasure. So. Anyway, that'll come back. So Artemis Fall is the kid. His dad's Artemis Fall. Everyone's Artemis Fall. Everyone in the world thinks <laughs> Artemis Fall Senior. I'm just gonna call Artemis Fall Senior Colin Farrell because that's the only way I thought of him. He Dude, is... Why did I think this movie was about spies? It's not about spies either, <laughs> dude. It's about fairies. Let me get to this. Shit. Oh my lord! <laughs> so Colin Farrell goes missing, and it and. Uh, the bad guy's name is Opal Cowboy or something, and they they contact the kid, and they're like, "If you ever want to see your son again, you got to find the Aculos." And so he starts working with uh, his butler, but who, whose last name is Butler. He is a butler, but he'll he'll kick the shit out of you if you call him Butler. So he's just called Dom the whole time. So they're working together to find this Aculos. Finds it. Whoa, in whoa, about... whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> his name is Dom Butler. He's a butler. And you can't call him Butler? <laughs> no, but don't even think about it. I'm never saying it on this podcast. <laughs> is he going to come get our asses? He might, is, dude. He's going to come Kevin Spacey ass? Is that like, I'm not a tree, call me Treebeard? It's like essentially like that. I feel like That's it's the worse. same thing. But basically, uh, Colin Farrell tells Artemis Fowl his whole life he's growing up. He teaches him about fairies in this super secret world, but doesn't ever tell him it's real. And then all of a sudden it's real. They live like in the middle of the earth. And somehow they don't burn. I don't know. Uh, there's leprechauns. There's yeah. There's dwarfs. There's trolls. There's like everything down there. It's basically Lord of the Rings inside of the Earth. They're in Middle Earth. This maybe I was wrong thinking it was part of Harry Potter because it's actually part of Lord of the Rings. So they Sounds they like all it. want all the people in uh, it's called Haven City. All where the fairies are. They want this Aculos back because it's like the super it gives them like magical powers. I guess. And uh, but the bad people want it too because they want to destroy all humans because they're sick of humans and sick of having to live in secret. Uh, Artemis convinces like this these people the the they, he tricks them to come out of the Middle Earth and basically thinks they have the uh, Aculos. Turns out his dad had it the whole time in the house. And the only cool part of this movie is they do this time freeze and they do it in a cool way where it looks so they freeze time when there's this big wave. In the coast of Ireland, because I should have also said that's in Ireland. And there's this cool part where the wave freezes. That's the only cool part about this movie. That's all I'll say about that. Worth watching. And then they. <laughs> worth watching that part. Just not the whole movie for that part, but that part was just somewhat cool to me. And then they. So they find the Aculos. It was in this house the whole time. The tro- They send this troll in to, to go attack it. I don't know what the fuck was this all about. So like, because they don't know that they're on the same side, the humans and the fairies, because it's just a bad fairy that's wa- that wants the Aculos. Oh my god, I fucking hate talking about this movie. <laughs> okay, so we got good fairy, bad fairy. Is Artemis's dad a bad guy? No, he. he they make you think uh, they want you to think he's a bad guy, but the whole time he's good. He's just captured. I don't know why Colin Farrell, who's like a pretty big star. He's in this movie for about 10 minutes, like, talking to his son about fairies, and then at the end where he's like, I'm proud of you, son. I knew you could do it. Which is, by the way, that was a great Colin Farrell accent by me. I thought Artemis that was him for a minute. Senior. <laughs> Artemis Sr.? He's Artemis Fowl as well? Yeah, they're all Artemis Fowl. It's the, the fairies only know, like, about the fowls. There's always just Artemis Fowl. 
It's so fucking stupid. And I like, say, so Josh, I watched the trailer and it made me laugh. Yeah. There was a moment that made me laugh. There was a a newscast. Basically, they said like Artemis Files' dad was like kidnapped or whatever. And then there's a newscast right after that says, Artemis Fowl goes missing. He's accused of doing some of the biggest crimes ever committed or something <laughs> super generic like that. And I just started laughing. They just call them so they call him a criminal mastermind, like throughout the whole movie. But the whole thing is like he just sells like ancient artifacts. And then they just assume he sells illegal ancient artifacts, but he never does. He just has like these fairy artifacts too. I don't know. It's so fucking stupid. And then so the way they find the Aculos is Josh Gad, who plays, again, Mulch Diggums, digs into the house because uh, he's a dwarf and dwarfs in this world. I don't even know if he's a dwarf. I forget and what his it is. name is Mulch. <laughs> and it's Mulch. Like, he's digging Mulch. It's so fucking wow. stupid. And, like, but the way he does it, he's, he, like, literally grabs his jaw. This is the CGI part. And pulls it down and his face just gets huge. And he can just eat super fast. He finds this Aculos and then, like, they're all fighting for it, obviously. And then in the end... uh like humans can't use it only fairies can and this is where uh the one fairy that he's working with her name is holly short because she's just short as shit it's so stupid yeah they get she has to use it to get the dad back so colin farrell's back and i'm i'm sorry i don't know i don't want to go into this movie anymore that's basically i i wrote too many notes uh what, what do we got here oh yeah the, butler died but no he fucking didn't because they just use magic hey. then <laughs> Dom. 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 Sorry. Dom dies. They bring him back. This is actually a fast in the Fast and the Furious universe. Is it? Is it? Dom Toretto? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, and then, I, so at the end, this is my least favorite part of the movie. So the whole time they're talking about how um, Colin Farrell's like this criminal, but then they prove he's not. And then Artemis, the son, at the end of the movie, goes, looks right into the camera and goes and puts on sunglasses and says, I'm Artemis Fowl. And I'm a criminal mastermind. And I'm just like, what the what the fuck was the point of this then? So you guys aren't bad though. You spent this whole time proving your dad isn't a bad person, and then at the end you're like, we're bad people. I don't know. It it was the it was the weirdest movie ever. I wish I would have watched this hammered. I watched it sober, and Yikes. it was a punishment. Yikes. I really, I honestly was going in thinking it was somehow had something to do with Harry Potter, just like some other universe that already existed. Art. Are you and, sure and you it, weren't drunk watching this movie? <laughs> Why did drunk, you think maybe, it had anything to do with Harry Potter? I don't know. Maybe I should be embarrassed to be saying that. It was, dude. This movie sucked. I did not see fairies coming at all. Like, and that's all right. I don't. I don't want to hate on movies about fairies, but it was just so stupid that I. I don't even know how they just randomly fairies exist and everyone's cool with it. I just. I don't like that. It was. It was such a bad movie. These are based off of books, right? Yeah, Harry Potter books, the sequel. No, 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 Jeremy, aren't these books? Jeremy, do you know? Right, these are books, right? Didn't people like these? I remember people reading these books in like like elementary school. I remember seeing Artemis Fowl at like the Scholastic Book Fair. Or I could be wrong. No, supposedly they were a very popular book series, but I don't know anyone who read them. I didn't read them. I was reading Harry Potter at the time, so maybe maybe I was like Ben and got him confused. I thought I was reading Artemis Fowl, but really it was Harry Potter. So are you telling me there's going to be more of these? Like, because this movie was only like an hour and a half. That's the one like okay thing about it. I was able to kind of whip through it. But are are there more coming? I hope not. I mean, again, this is one. I think the first movie they pushed onto Disney Plus when they realized it wasn't theaters weren't going to be open. So they maybe. probably planned on having more, but this might have bombed. So maybe not. I just don't get how someone like Colin Farrell sees this script 
sees he's in the movie for about 15 minutes and goes, you know what? Like these, when they create different worlds, it's kind of a good thing. I'm going to sign up. Like it's, it's nowhere near like the capacity or, or like the, the, like the content or the quality of Lord of the Rings or, and I don't need a movie to be like three hours long to consider it to be really good. You can do good things in a, in a short amount of time. And this movie just, I don't know if they thought it was good. It was, it was really, really bad. Maybe he thought it was going to be the next big franchise. He, he signed but, a 10 movie contract. <laughs> Honestly, maybe he did. Like, and maybe they told him, Hey, you're, you're actually in this movie for 45 minutes, not 15 minutes, but I would be embarrassed if I was him to be in this movie. And that's coming from someone who is not in any movies. He's probably real embarrassed getting paid a million dollars to be on screen. He probably went to the set for one. Probably got even more, dude. The budget for this movie is 125 million, and I don't know. It it went. I think 120 million went to that one cool boat (laughs) scene where they stopped time, and then five million went to Colin Farrell. That sounds about right. Sounds like Josh Gad did some heavy lifting too, so maybe he got a cut of that. <laughs> he he's like the narrator the whole time, and it's just you don't need the narrator. Like the whole time, he's just like saying, "Don't underestimate the kid, the child." Like, and he keeps saying that. It's just like we get it. Don't under- we aren't underestimating him. Shut the fuck up. Isn't Judy Dench in this movie as well, making her second appearance in a Punishment? Yeah, movie? she she's Commander Root. Oh, she was in. Was she in Cats? Yeah. She was, she's like the head leprechaun, they call, so the cops in this movie are called leprechauns, but like leprechaun is stands for something and like, it's not spelled like a normal leprechaun, but it's C-O-N at the end instead of whatever it normally is. They're not leprechauns. They should have just been, it was, the the way they did this was very, very weird. And Judy Dench is like bad the whole time until the end. She's good. I don't know. It's, it's not a great movie. Don't watch it. This I feel sufficiently punished. When Bob watched Mulan and we all kind of watched Mulan with them, like it wasn't that terrible. <laughs> this movie fucking sucked. Well, then you will be hosting the next Big Movie Boys Presents Who is the Biggest Movie Boy Challenge Dual Edition, pitting Bob and I against one another. So you can maybe include a little bit of punishment in the challenge if you feel like you were so unjustly punished for this yeah. one. I might. I feel like I've had some bad luck lately with Bob cheating against me and then uh, Jeremy re-recording it so you can win. It just, uh, I haven't been getting any luck. <laughs> if I lost, I would have considered it. <laughs> and then may- maybe you would have noticed then. All right, well, it'll be a little while before we have our next challenge. In the meantime, let's get to our third and final review for The Lord of the Rings If you're not familiar, the last two weeks we have reviewed the first two movies in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Today we carry on with The Return of the King. This movie was released December 17th, 2003. has a runtime of 3 hours and 21 minutes. Again, we're going through the theatrical cuts. And it was directed yet again by Peter Jackson, based on the books by J.R.R. Tolkien. No issue as far as future spoilers go, because we're in the final chapter here but ben you and i watching for the first time how did the return of the king fare for your first viewing so i went this was the movie that i went in with the highest expectations coming off the second one and i was pretty pleased i i didn't get to have the best viewing experience as you know i like to watch these movies over two days and this was one i wish i wouldn't have done that but i I just crunching the numbers it had to happen so i i blame myself a little for breaking it up but yeah, I, I was very happy with this movie. 
Um, you know, some we we kind of complained last week about whether or not there was like Frodo wasn't really involved. Like, but we were happy with that. Every time Frodo was on the screen this time, I was more into it. I don't know if, if you guys might disagree with that, and but I, I was really into the scenes with him, Sam, and Gollum, and kind of just kind of trying to complete this journey. And overall, I think the film benefited from it because I always like the scenes. Like with, I'm never gonna knock the scenes with Aragorn, uh, Gimli, and uh, Legolas and Gandalf. Like those scenes are always great. But I think this movie just picked itself up because the scenes with Frodo to me were were a lot better than in the in the second movie. That's uh it's interesting to hear. I will say this movie was a letdown for me, and I'm sure oh. Bob, that'll be difficult for you to hear, but. I was also coming pretty high off of uh, Two Towers last week. I was like, very excited for this one. And it I felt more like how I felt after watching Fellowship than how I did after coming off of Two Towers. A lot Interesting. Of the, uh, a lot of the issues I had with the first movie that I felt were solved in the second movie, they decided to unsolve in the third movie. The pacing felt off again, and I think that's the biggest difference I think between the first and third movie versus the second is, uh, I, I don't know, just the pacing, everything feels weird. There's a lot of weird cuts between stuff. There's elements where it's better than others or areas of the movie where it's better than others. I will say Gandalf was a huge bummer for me in this movie. Um, he's got a lot of the best lines in this series, but he doesn't do a lot in this movie and everything he does is pretty lame in my opinion. And But Ben, I will agree with your point. I think the Frodo and Sam stuff was the best in this movie. However, the Merry and Pip stuff was pretty goddamn annoying for me in this movie. So the Hobbits are still kind of 50-50 for me at this point. I heavily agree with uh, Merry and Pip. They tried to, I think, give them like one of the more bigger arcs, like being pussies at the beginning, and then try to make them more like strong-willed at the end. But like still at the end, I'm just like, you're, you're still like, having to kind of be dragged along here you're not really doing anything and they they bother me the most out of anything your gandalf points interesting i i almost agree if it wasn't for how inspiring his words are to me i love every line he has in this movie is great to me like every single one could be like a senior yearbook quote and he does he's not as fantastic as like action wise as he should be like he he saves uh faramir at one point but that's more shadow facts I, I do wish uh, he was given more room to like kind of be a hero. Because I'm sorry, but if this is the real world, I'm having uh, Gandalf maybe escort Frodo instead of uh, instead of Sam and Gollum. Yeah, and then uh, the last point I'll make before we let Bob tell us why we're wrong and why this is the <laughs> best movie ever made is uh, I was surprised that they were still introducing new elements in the third movie. I thought that this would all the first two movies set would have set everything up that we needed pretty much. But they're, they're still introducing a lot of new stuff that feels like it's just coming out of left field in the in the later half of this movie. So those are some of my general criticisms. Obviously, we'll get into more details as we go through. Bob, tell us why we're stupid. Jeremy, it just sounds like you're very nitpicky and don't know how to enjoy the movie. I feel like I didn't <laughs> notice any pacing issues. Also, I don't know where you're... I, I mean, I guess when we get into it, you'll talk more about Gandalf and what you were expecting from him, but like, I definitely didn't feel like Gandalf was a letdown at all. I don't know. I just, I, I agree with Ben about the thing where he has a lot of like inspiring quotes, and 
I think it's the same across all three movies. Every time, every time he's on the screen, I love what he's doing. I think he's awesome. And yeah, he didn't do anything like magical or crazy or do any like super boss ass moments. But like, I don't think that means that he was, you know, a letdown. I, I don't know. I wasn't really expecting that from him. He did everything, maybe because I've seen the movie before and I only see it the way that, you know, I was used to seeing it. Just how that's just how it is, you know? And I, I like Gandalf in this movie as I liked him in the other movies. The pacing, I just, I didn't really pick up on it. The way I felt about the movie is that it was just like, pedal to the metal from start to finish um i mean there was a few moments where there was a couple lulls but for the most part i feel like it pedal to the metal the whole time like it's just basically action-packed um except for some of the mary and pip scenes i, I get that those are kind of rough and uh i agree with ben that i liked uh frodo and sam a lot more in this movie as well i just think it's the weight of you know the movie like this is the end like this is the entire thing it revolves around is them getting this ring to Mount Doom, and you know the movie. You know there's not going to be a fourth one. So every time you see them on screen, it just it's just that much more. Like it just it's just amped up. The stakes are that much higher because you know it's ending. Like it's going to be over soon. Um, I do love this movie. Uh, it's hard to compare them all. It's obviously for me. It's between Two Towers and Return of the King. I actually saw Return of the King in theaters. A very very young boy in theaters. Um, yeah, I remember it. I would have completely forgot it because I was, what, it come out, 2003? Yep. I would have been eight years old. Um, I do. Rem- I probably would have forgot if it wasn't for one very distinct moment that scarred my childhood that we will get to uh, when, when it pops up. I'm sure we will talk about it uh, when, we, when we sort of run through the movie chronologically. But, yeah, I'll get to that point when we get there. Scarred my childhood, though. But I love this movie. So let's just get into it, why don't we, and start with Another flashback. Let's get a little bit of Smeagol's origin story. And we'll start by somehow Andy Serkis looking more terrifying as a human (laughs) or whatever creature he is than when he's Gollum. Looks very creepy in this. And also something I didn't realize, I just assumed that the the ring corrupting him is what caused him to talk like that. Nope, apparently he just talks like that because he's weird. He just talks like a creep. The, the first scene, yeah, if you want to, they're fishing together and he's playing around with his friend. Feels lighthearted. I'm like, oh, they're just showing Smeagol as like a, a nice person. I, I figured they were going to show kind of the origin of the ring. And they do. They show him get the ring. Eventually, the friend gets the ring. I kind of I kind of thought Smeagol got the ring. I, maybe I misremembered from the first no, movie. You're right. Deagle, because of course, why wouldn't their names be almost exactly yeah. the same? <laughs> so when he gets, when they're fighting over the ring or when it, I... Uh, happy birthday to Smeagol, by the way, at the beginning of this movie. I guess my first question, and I'm going to have a lot of them, Bob, so I'm going to need you to be ready here so this movie stays intact and I end up liking it more than I than I do right now. I thought it didn't corrupt hobbits, hobbits. Why are they both killing each other for this ring two minutes into this movie? The only defense that I... And this isn't, like, canon. Uh, this is just, like, what I gathered from it is because... When uh, what's his name? Uh, Isildur. When when Isildur lost, he was the the most recent ring bearer. And from the first movie, when they say like the ring was lost until it was picked up, you know, like in the beginning when he pulls it out of the sand and he's underwater, I'm assuming like Isildur lost that ring and it's been in the bottom of that river for like a long, long fucking time, right? Like they make it sound like thousands of years or whatever. I think they mentioned yeah. in the first movie. The way I looked at that is that like. I mean, this, this, I mean, p- correct me if I'm wrong. You guys might have felt differently about the scene, but I always felt like it was like 
because it was down there for so long, this is like the first time it's touching anybody. The ring is like yokes to the max. Like this is like super ring because it's like, oh fuck, like let me grab onto the nearest fucking thing. Like I haven't touched anything in so long. Like I need to, I need to fucking get going, right? Like I've just been stuck down in there in that fucking riverbed. So it's like super, super, super ring. So basically like the first person it touches and the first people that see it, it just like gets amped up to like a thousand. And that's why it's able to corrupt Gollum and Deagle basically on site. All right, yeah, but, say no more. You got me with it. That sounds okay. like some yeah, that's a, Olympic caliber gymnastics you're doing <laughs> to defend this movie here. But my only assumption know. was that they're not hobbits. They very much look like hobbits. But if they are hobbits, that completely destroys the logic of this movie, of this series. <laughs> so I just, I'm like, oh, they're not hobbits then. That's the only thing I could come up with. No, I'm pretty sure they're hobbits, Jeremy. Well, then <laughs> the logic in this trilogy is completely broken, in my opinion. Unless, right, unless what you over. said is true, but I, I just assume they couldn't be hobbits. That's always the way I looked at it, and for all I know, they aren't hobbits, but I always kind of thought they were. I don't know, though. Well, I don't know either. It was not in the movie, and I didn't do a ton of research outside of it, so maybe one day we'll find out. Uh, but this basically scene ends with the slow transformation from Smeagol into Gollum. Some of, it, some of the stages look better than others. A lot of it was practical, and then it turns into CG. Kind of interesting. Um, then we get a quick check on current day Gollum with Frodo and Sam. They're still walking. Frodo is being more and more corrupted by the ring. Then we get to the stuff we care about. Aragorn and the gang come across Mary and Pip, and they're just uh, sitting, chilling, smoking, just having a good old time. They go to talk to Treebeard outside of Sorman's flooded tower, and uh, they basically all just decide, all right, Sormon's up there. He's going to die. Uh, we're pretty sure Grima's up there, too. He, he's probably going to die as well. I think that's good enough. I think we're good to go. No reason to check back in on any of them later in this movie. <laughs> Don't need any scene for that. So there's actually, and this is a problem that it, we're going to encounter. As somebody that's seen the extended cut of this movie, there's a lot. I mean, the extended cut is almost five hours long. Um, there's a lot that's left on the cutting room floor. And I think the most me- recent one I saw was the extended cut. So there's a lot of times where I was watching this movie where I was expecting a scene to come up that I liked, that I, that I really enjoyed. And it just never came because it's the theatrical cut that we were watching. Um, this is the first one where I was like, wait, I thought this happened a uh, little spoiler for you guys in the extended cut. Saruman jumps off the top of his tower, or I think he's pushed. He's either, he either jumps or he either is pushed by Grima Wormtongue. And he falls on that giant fucking spike that's right next to them that you probably didn't even realize was there. But he fucking lands spine first on this spike and dies. That would have been a more satisfying conclusion to the yeah. second biggest villain of and this I, trilogy. And I don't know why they cut it. It was so odd that they cut it because the scene isn't long. It's like two minutes long. And it's, and it's right in the beginning of the movie. And there you go. He's dead. You know, like, I, it's just weird. There's, there's other things that they cut. And there's one that I have a feeling you'll bring up later, Jeremy, that when I was watching it, the scene I was expecting, I was like, well, what the fuck just happened? That was weird, you know? Then, and I don't know, it's it just, it's just, it, there is some, I mean, it's originally, they filmed it to be a five hour long movie. They had to cut so much. So you'll get like weird things. And that might be, be where you like get that feeling that the pasting is off. It might be from these scenes that they had to cut for time and they still, it's still three hours long, you know, like it's wild, but that one caught me off guard because I was expecting it to happen. I like that scene where Saruman dies 
and it just wasn't in the movie. It was weird. Like I wasn't I wasn't used to it. I want that scene more than I want any of the scenes where Arwen and Elrond talk to each other. Like, I, totally I, I don't agree. I totally don't give agree. a shit about Arwen at all. And I know you kind of need it for the payoff at the end where they kiss, but then I don't even need that scene. I really don't give yeah, a that, shit. Yeah, that was worth it. That, that definitely made all that worth <laughs> yeah. it. I still don't even understand that. Either way, Pip finds uh I know it's not called a crystal ball. Do you know what the name of it is, Bob? It's a, a Palantir. Ball, right? Palantir. A Palantir. Yeah, Palantir. Finds one of those. Gandalf says, give me that before you do something stupid with it. Spoiler, he's going to do something stupid with it pretty soon. <laughs> fucking idiots. He's so dumb. He's the stupidest fucking little thing in the world. He's like too dumb. Like it's almost unbelievable how stupid he is. Then we cut to Rohan where they have a brief moment for the dead who sacrificed themselves at Helm's Deep. Then they have a party. Looks pretty fun. Aragorn continues to lead on Eowyn. Glad to see that that carried over from the last movie. And uh, Mary and Pip are singing and dancing on the table. Then we cut back to Sam and Frodo. They're sleeping while Gollum and Smeagol have their little dual personality talking back and forth. They're talking very loudly and for a very long time. Uh, Long enough and loud enough that Sam eventually hears him. (laughs) And uh, tries to basically kill Gollum, or at least tell him to leave. But Frodo defends him. He decides, no, we need to keep him around, or else we'd be lost. Frodo's an asshole there. I get it. He's being corrupted by the ring or whatever. But still, you should be able to see that uh, maybe maybe the guy who has, who's the just a little creature from the sea is maybe the bad one here. And we should probably trust our best friend. And Jeremy, to your point, I've never really slept on the side of a mountain with just a hard-ass rock into my head, but I would assume it's not the greatest sleep in the world, and I would be waking up if I hear a creature screaming, kill them, murder, murder them. I think I would wake up a little earlier than Sam did. Right, and I I, I always, yeah, it always pissed me off, especially <laughs> when I watched this movie when I was younger, because I'm just like, is Frodo fucking stupid, dude? And like, <laughs> yeah, he is being crouched by the ring, but at the same time, he is kind of right that they would be lost very quickly if they didn't have Gollum. I think in a perfect world where Frodo isn't corrupted by the ring, they just put that elvish rope around him and they just fucking yeah. make him make him lead him there. But that's not what you get. But but I remember when I watched it as a kid, I was always so pissed off. Like I didn't really like I wasn't like picking up on everything. I was just like, Why the fuck is Frodo dumb? You know, like but it's just it, it it's definitely frustrating. I love Sam. I I'm, I just Sam is the one of the best characters, and I hated him the first two movies, and he totally comes around in the third movie. Yeah, he's just like that lovable character by the end. Of I this. agree with Bob there. Jeremy probably disagrees because he hates everything about any any movie he ever watches, but love <laughs> love Sean Aston in this one. I'm very pro Sean Aston. Thank you very much. I agree. He uh, he comes around in the third movie. Still don't love the Mister Frodo thing. Still throws me off a little bit, but I like him overall. Back in Rohan. Uh, Pip decides to steal the Penetir, Penetir, Palantir, Palantir, close enough from uh from Gandalf who sleeps with his eyes open, which is pretty creepy. <laughs> that was that was badass, Jeremy. Don't I thought that's you're looking for cool Gandalf shit. Boom, there it is, right there, man. The only thing though, like with that, like Gandalf the White at this point is this like godly being. I'm like, does he need to sleep? Is that a thing he needs to do? Especially with, like, all those common folk in that big group living room. Um, but, yeah, so he, he picks it up and uh, basically Sauron is 
revealing himself through it. I don't know exactly what's happening, but it's messing Pip up. Aragorn tries to pick it up, messes him up, and uh, Sauron is able to detect where they are. And I, I just assume gather some more information as to what they're planning. Is that more or less what's happening here? It's like, uh, basically, remember, if you remember in the first movie, that's how Saruman talks to Sauron is through the pounds here. I think it's like a direct, like, it's, it's like, it's more or less like, almost like that's one of his fucking eyeballs is the way I look at it. And I think that's sort of what it's like. So like when the Palantir's out, he can see there's multiple Palantir's like there's these objects exist in Middle Earth. Like they're all over the place. It's not all over the place, but there's probably like 10 of them. And super rare, super dangerous. And basically when like, that's why Gandalf keeps covering it. Because if that thing's out, that's basically like a direct line to Sauron. He can see everything that's around it, can hear everything that's around it. Obviously, there's some type of like mind control. So when he like when you touch it, you can communicate with him. That's how what uh, Saruman was doing in the first movie when he was talking to Sauron, and I think in the second movie too. But like when Pip touches it, he just fucking goes into his mind and is able to like read his mind. So it's basically like a direct line to Sauron. Yeah, and Bob, if you can explain that to me and Jeremy in two minutes, it would be nice if uh, Gandalf could give everyone a little, uh, hey, gather around, don't touch this ball, because this is what will happen. Yeah, instead of just, I'm just going <laughs> to... I will hold on to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's all right. Let's, yeah. And uh, I guess they were able to get some information themselves from uh, Pip, because Pip was able to see the white tree of Minas Tirith and all that, which leads to a, kind of a, a battle meeting, a battle plan meeting. Uh, at the uh, at the end of this meeting, basically Gandalf decides that Pip is a menace to society and literally just has to take him away. So the two of them ride off to Minas Tirith. Then we finally get our first Liv Tyler sighting of this movie. Glad to have her back. She's, That's all uh, we need to say about that. Yeah, she's uh, on her way to whatever the great beyond elf world. But then she turns back, talks to Elrond. She does do the coolest thing she does in this trilogy, though, and narrates, From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadow shall spring, renewed shall be the blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. Pretty badass. Then they go ahead and rebuild that ancient sword. I don't have the name written down here now, but it comes back again later. Um... The only thing that could have made this cooler, though, is if I feel like the rebuilding scene was a little underwhelming. Like, they just had two random guys putting the sword back together. I thought it'd be a cooler process than that. I'm not sure whether they couldn't have done that 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Like, yeah, that, that was the other for thing. the right guy? They're, they just decided, okay, I guess today seems like a good day to do this. It's just been sitting here broken. You know, it's one of those things, it's one of those tasks that you keep putting off for months and months and then it only ends up taking you two minutes to do and you're like why didn't i just do that that's what this <laughs> felt like uh gandalf and pip arrive in Minas Tirith, and uh there's a pretty funny scene where they're at the door about to meet meet lord denethor and gandalf is like don't tell him about boromir don't tell him about something else actually you know what just don't say anything you're only you're a fucking idiot yeah all you do is cause trouble I probably shouldn't have even brought you here and just don't say anything. And then uh, we meet Denethor and uh, basically he just says he's not going to give up the throne and Denethor is the worst part of this entire trilogy. I will say it. I hate everything about this character. It's never redeemed. Every minute he's on screen makes this movie worse. 
I think that's sort of what he's supposed to do, Jeremy. You're supposed to not like him. I don't think his you like don't like his character fundamentally. But he's not even yeah, he's not even like a cool villain. Yeah. Like you, no, he, I don't get his, I, I get that he's, he's supposed to hate him, I think. I get that, but like there's characters that you're supposed to hate because they're bad. And I just hate this character because he's useless. And I think he is like no I don't I can't fathom his side of it. Right. I think that's why I don't like him. I think that's what is supposed to frustrate you because he's I mean, he's clearly got a fucking screw loose. I mean, I'm not saying that he's like a good character. Like I also don't like him, but I think that he's just frustrating because I don't know, like his his inability to really do anything in this movie is just frustrating. And I think that's at least feels like he's supposed to frustrate you, the audience, and I think he does a good job of that. But I mean, I don't know. Like, could they make him better or more interesting of a villain? I guess I agree with you on that one. But like, I don't. I think he did what he was supposed to do. I think to Ben's point, I just never understand his motivations. Like, there, there's plenty of good cinematic bad guys who are act selfishly. And, uh, you know, would rather screw everyone else over. Uh, he says quite literally he doesn't want to give up the throne, even though he's only a steward. But I, 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 I never really understand the motivations for anything he does in this movie. Uh, either way, Gandalf, uh, after they have that little meeting, Gandalf and Pip are talking outside. And he brings up Sauron's deadliest servant, the one they say no living man can kill. The Witch King of Angmar, Lord of the Nazgul, greatest of the nine. If you talk shit about this, Jeremy, I swear to God, dude. Maybe the most epic setup for a bad Thank guy in any good. movie. Thank, Thank fucking God. Taken down just a slight notch after the fact when Gandalf's like, well, actually, you met him in the first movie. You remember that? Remember that scene? You actually met him already. But now he's really cool again. And the way they set this up and... Pip is saying, like, oh, well, we have Gandalf the White. We've got the greatest, you know, good guy we could ever have. And Gandalf's like, well, Sauron's got this really, really bad guy. At this moment, I'm like, here is when Gandalf goes all out. I cannot wait for Gandalf v. the Witch King of Angmar later in this movie. That is the... Spoiler, that is we don't the get it. <laughs> yeah, and... I- I get it. Like maybe uh, 2003 was ahead of its time for what they they ended up doing instead with Eowyn killing this Ringwraith, but in saying the uh, "I'm not a man" or whatever, and I think you're supposed to get amped at that. And I was just like, I, I I do wish that was Gandalf. Well, Gandalf wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to kill him. Well, that's the other thing. No living man can kill him. Gandalf already died and came back. I'm like, oh, they're setting this up that. Gandalf isn't. I agree. Is, no living man. Yeah, he's, he's just like eternal. Exactly. Like they were setting everything. All the dominoes were lining up, and they just had to get pushed over. Now, they are still standing by the end of the movie. I don't know. I I like where it ends with with A one. If I'm being honest, but that's just I I don't know. I just like I just like that the way it is. Um, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum find their way to Minas Morgul, the dead city. Frodo is tempted to just walk in because the ring is uh, just trying to get him to walk right in and hand it over. But Gollum convinces them, him and Sam, to walk up the tallest, steepest staircase that has ever been carved into the side of a mountain. And while that's happening, we also see a giant light beam shoot out of Minas Morgul. Uh, was that basically just signaling like that the army was mobilizing? Or was there a, a bigger meaning to that that I missed? 
No, I think that think that's it. Uh, from there, we get our first sight of Faramir. His squad is fighting a bunch of uh, orcs and urukai. They're forced to retreat. While that's happening, back at Minas Tirith, Gandalf tells Pip to go light the first beacon. And then we get some of the coolest shots in this movie of all of the beacons being lit with pretty epic music in the background. I know it's just like a bunch of helicopter landscape shots or whatever with CG fire that doesn't look the best at least 20 years later, but I really like uh, no, the that, epic that, music that, in the background. This is pretty a pretty get-pump moment. Yeah, that got me amped. I almost went on top of my roof and started a fire. I want to move to New Zealand. Well, yeah, that's what that's the best thing these movies do. It's basically a right. visit New Zealand brochure. Uh, Aragorn sees the final beacon lit at Rohan. He runs into wherever Theoden is and says, Gondor calls for aid. Theoden, Theoden responds, and Rohan will answer. Just the cherry on top of this pretty awesome get hype scene. Uh, Faramir and his group who was retreating previously show up outside of Minas Tirith. But they got a couple Nazgul taking out their uh, soldiers one by one as they approach the walls. Gandalf rides out on Shadowfax and basically uses a glow stick to flee them off and then uh, escorts them back in and Faramir uh, tells them that he saw Frodo, which is the first time Gandalf knows for certain that Frodo is still alive, at least as of Faramir's last sighting of him. Was that this wait real quick? Was that the scene where Sloth from the Goonies is like the head of the <laughs> the orcs? Yes, it is. Okay, he's a, love that. Dude. Love that he got to reconnect and work with uh, Sean Astin again. <laughs> dude, that character is fucking cool, though. I don't know, like I, I you get some cool looking orcs in this in this movie for sure, or Orakai. That's an Orakai, I believe. But like that guy's pretty badass. I don't know his name, but I Sloth. mean. Might as well call him. When I was a kid, I used to call him Moldy Mashed Potatoes. That's what I thought he looked like to me. That's what I always called him as a kid. I have no idea what his real character's name is. Interesting. Uh, we cut to Frodo and Sam, who are still climbing and climbing and climbing. And Gollum plants the seed in Frodo's mind that Sam is going to ask him for the ring. Jeremy, Jeremy, before you get to there, can I just point out one of the coolest parts of this of this scene as they're climbing the steps? And presumably they've been climbing for a very long time because they're up pretty high. And when you look off in the background, at least, you know, you can see it. The army is still marching all the way down there. So, like, they've been yep. climbing for what seems like a very long time. That army is still marching out of the gates. That's the, I love that part every time. So I'm just like, it just shows how big that army is and how outnumbered they really are. That it took these guys fucking eight hours to march their army out of this fucking gate. Like, that to me is just shows how intense this situation is and what they're really up against. That's just like a little thing that you see in the background that I absolutely love. Definitely. And meanwhile, they could have just been guarding the steepest staircase ever and they would have won. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We then cut to uh, the king of the Nazgul, the guy who was getting hyped up earlier. Uh, He's talking to Sloth and uh, they're going back and forth. Uh, He directs them to slay them all Sloth says, what of the wizard? And the king says, I will break him. Boy, they're setting that fight up so well. I cannot (laughs) wait for it to happen. We cut back to uh, Denethor, basically saying that he wished Faramir died instead of Boromir. 
Got to say, I agree with him on this one. I do miss Sean Bean as well. Would have liked to see what he did with these other two movies. And then he sends Faramir basically on a suicide mission. Back on the mountain, Gollum throws all of uh, Frodo and Sam's bread away. Once Sam realizes there's no bread, he's like, okay, well, it must have been Gollum. And Gollum's like, nope, it was Sam. And uh, so already Frodo's a little sus of Sam, but then Sam goes and he does it. He asks for the ring, just like Gollum said he would. And that's enough for Frodo to say, go home, Sam. We don't need you anymore. Not great timing. Not great timing for Sam. He probably could have asked for the ring at another time. Aragorn's group still making their way to Minas Tirith. He gets a visit from Elrond. And they have a long talk. At one point he says, Arwen is dying. Her life is now tied to the fate of the ring. Okay, sure. I guess we'll go with that, whatever that means. Fuck Arwen. Yeah, I wish I knew, but I have no idea, dude. I don't know. I've never understood anything with Arwen. It's just always the most uninteresting part of the movie. So, ugh, who knows? I don't know. I, I don't care. Even if she died, I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever, you know? Uh, eventually, he tells Aragorn of an army that can only be summoned by the king of Gondor. And Aragorn basically says, well, they won't listen to me. And Elrond says they will with this. And then he pulls out Anduril, the flame of the west forged from the shards of Nazril. Lots of cool names in this in this trilogy. Gotta give them that. And a uh, pretty cool, like, slow-mo, pull-the-sword-out kind of shot. We'd love to see those. With all this information, new sword in hand, Aragorn decides he is going to go find this army. Of course, Legolas and Gimli aren't going to let him go alone, so they say they're going to go with him. And then they just leave in sight of everyone else. Don't tell anyone where they're going. Everyone's like, uh, the three main characters of this movie are leaving, and we're going to be screwed when we showed up to battle. Anyone know where they're going? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure why they couldn't just tell them. But Give them a heads up, like, hey, we're trying to go recruit some people, and uh, we, we, need, we need us three. It was, only, well, also, it was only strange because everyone, everyone else is like, where are they going? Why, why aren't they telling us where they're going? And they're all like bummed too. They're just like, okay, well, there goes the people that basically just won us the Battle of Helm's Deep because they're such good warriors. And then they're like, well, we're fucked. Why are they leaving? They must know that we're going to lose. And then they don't tell anybody, so they all think that. And then Thaden comes over and he's just like, yeah, we're going to lose. But we're going to, he basically <laughs> says like, yeah, we're going to get our asses kicked, but we're going to go down with a fight. I'm like, what? That would not pump me up. This is like no. before the NBA Finals, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James were just like, we're leaving and don't tell anybody any reason why. And then they, everyone's like, I guess we got to go play. And then they come back with like Steph Curry and they're just like, why wouldn't you just tell us? <laughs> just, just does not make any sense. Just give them a but little in, heads up. But in like the fourth quarter too. Like, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. the last, and they're down by like 50. <laughs> so, uh, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, they go and they meet the ghost army. This is one of those times where I'm like, okay, this wasn't, there wasn't even a rumor about these guys in the first two and a half movies. And now we're just introduced to them and they're going to be a major part of this next battle. Okay. I guess. That's nit- that's nitpick, Jer. I was okay that, with it. That's pretty bad nitpicking. Well, that, that's only the first half because I, I've got more complaints about this ghost army later. But it does seem out of left field. Um, back in Minas Tirith, Faramir returns. He's dead. But he's not dead. Pip, Pip, Pip's the one over there. Pip is like, uh, he's not dead. 
and apparently no one listened to him because he's going to say that several more times later on. Uh, the army approaching from the outside starts launching the decapitated heads of soldiers over the wall. That's pretty, pretty badass. fucking badass. That great move. Like if I'm if I'm receiving a head to the face, I'm and it's like, like it's like your cousin too. I know that I'm guy. Like, I'm not feeling very like maybe I'm angry, but knowing that's happening and seeing how many people there are, I'm probably uh, pissing my pants there. Yeah, that that's a good tactic. Uh, I'll give him that. Denethor basically just surrenders. Gandalf hits him with his stick and says, nope, we're going to prepare for battle. And so Menas Tirith starts launching rocks back in response at the army. And uh, basically a bunch of battling takes place. And eventually Gandalf has to fight to save Pip. This is going to be another uh, kind of underwhelming Gandalf moment for me. He just uses a sword and his staff like a sword. What are the perks of being a wizard in this world? Because he doesn't do a lot of magic. I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't seen any other wizards do any crazy magic. I don't know how... It's. Not, I mean, it's not Harry Potter. I don't think he's shooting spells out of his staff. But, um, but he he was early on with uh, Saruman in the first movie, if I'm not, not mistaken. So Those little been, push moves, I guess. But Would have been nice if I saw that, but he used shadow facts to push uh, Delathor or whatever into the into the flames instead. I was okay with it. Yeah, I don't know. I I just like genuinely don't really know a lot about the perks of being a wizard because he doesn't. I would assume magic would be one of them, and he doesn't do a lot of magic in these movies. And I was I was kind of hoping for that. Luckily, we've got the showdown with him and uh, the King of the Nazgul coming up still, so we can look forward. Yeah, to hold that. on. Yeah, just wait for that, Jer. Um, back with Gollum, he convinces Frodo to go into the cave. They finally got to the top of the stairs, and he says, go in, Frodo, this is the only way. And of course, this isn't the way to Mordor, this is the cave of a spider, and uh, I don't like this scene. I don't like spiders. And yeah, Bob, is this the part that scared, scarred you for the rest of your life or your childhood? It is, it is. Okay, man. I gotta say, because I was scared as shit watching this. I was, like, cringing. I was looking in the corners of my room. I'm like, where are the spiders in my room right now? Would you like me to tell you the story? Let's hear, yeah, it. Let's hear it. So when they, it, so the spider's name is Shelob. So let me set the scene. I'm eight years old. I might have even been seven years old. I don't know what what the month this movie came out in. Anyway, we're there in theaters. It's me, my brother, my cousin, and my uncle. And my my cousin who loves Lord of the Rings. She is was a Spanish teacher. She read the books in English and Spanish, watched the movies in English and Spanish, all the extended cuts, loved them. She's the one that got me and my brother into it. So we love Lord of the Rings. We saw the first two. Like she brought the DVDs over to our house. We're like, these are awesome. Oh my God. And then they're like, Well, yeah, guess what? There's one more. It's coming out. This fucking we're gonna go see it. I'm like, oh my god. And I don't go to movies. I'm a young boy, right? I'm eight years old. I can't even remember any movie that I saw besides this one. We go there, we're in theaters, having a grand old time. This scene comes up. Now, mind you, Ben, you just mentioned you were scared at 24 years old. I was eight. Can you imagine being an eight-year-old in the movie theater during this fucking scene when the spider comes out? Absolutely fucking terrifying. So I'm on the edge of my seat, getting my pants, basically. This theater is dead fucking silent. And you know the scene where it gets completely, completely quiet and Frodo's like walking away and the spider is coming up behind him, and then she sneaks down and stabs throat Frodo. 
It's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. Now that brief moment right before she stabs him, when it's completely silent, the theater is silent. Yeah. My uncle just leans over to me. He goes, boo. And I fucking <laughs> scream. Like at the top of my lungs, like a girl scream. Because I she scared the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> the whole theater. I'm pretty sure I pissed my pants. I don't know if I blocked <laughs> it out because it was like a traumatic moment for me. I was truly, honestly, probably the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. Pretty sure I may have pissed my pants. Just a little dribble. And then the entire theater was laughing. Just, just <laughs> laughing because I, I literally screamed like a, I went ah! like I fucking screamed at the top of my fucking lungs in the middle of this theater and then the entire packed theater was laughing at me never forget it as long as I live that's pretty solid them, dude my heart dropped it was the worst it was like I remember like the, the fear it was like the worst feeling I've ever felt it, literally just dead sound boo <laughs> like fuck you dude that sounds like a a traumatic experience. You did not oversell it. No. Yeah, I still hear the, the laughs to this day. <laughs> Bob can't go into a theater without hearing the echoes of the laughs. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, uh, this, this scene is pretty terrifying. The only thing I can compare it to is seeing the second Harry Potter in, in uh, theaters because it was around the same time. Another big spider in that movie. But this one is way more terrifying. CG really holds up as well. I thought it looked really good. And yeah, the, Bob, you mentioned the scariest part is when it basically goes silent. All you hear is like some rocks cracking and stuff. There's no music behind it. And you just, the first time you see it come out of the little cave and it just comes out like legs first, followed by the body. Oh. Ugh. It, so fucked. I, I hated it. I just hated every second yeah. of it. And like, just when he's trapped in the webs, like I'm like, I'm I'm really like I felt like I was stuck in spider webs there. I was like, get out of there, get out. I was freaking out. Oh, Dude, man, mind that... you, mind you, I've seen this movie however many times and this scene however many times. When he's stuck in the webs, I'm like, oh my, we're we're fucked. He's every time I think he's gonna get caught in those webs. That is, I mean, that is intense. Like that is some suspense. And can someone can someone run through the anatomy of a spider real quick? What what is that? I didn't know they uh, stung people like uh, like a bee would. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. Jeremy, an answer? Uh, I think it has something to do with this being a fictitious spider. In gotcha. Okay. I'm in. I'm in then. There we go. Yeah. But yes, he does get stung by its uh, its little stinger, and then it gets all he gets wrapped up too. That's a terrifying scene to watch. Oh, as well. oh <laughs> fucking that Christ! Whole, the whole fucking like sequence of that is just so terrifying. I. Bob, eight-year-old Bob, I would love to go back and watch you watch this movie. That would have been great. I wish Think I was your it. uncle whispering boo in your ear. <laughs> My uncle, fuck, fuck him to this day for that. But, like, dude, think about it. Like, even just talking about it now, even when I rewatch it, I was still super fucking scared and stressed out by this scene. I truly can't believe that my parents let me go to a theater when I was eight years old to fucking watch this. And, yeah, what was this, PG-13, maybe? I'm assuming this was PG-13. Actually, who am I kidding? But, like... That was I was way too young to be seeing that in theaters. That that fucked me for a while. Frodo gets wrapped up. Sam, he didn't go home. He decided to come back, and he fights the spider. Kudos to him. I wouldn't have done it. Even if I had just climbed all that way up, if I saw the spider, would have climbed right back down myself. Uh, but he then finds Frodo, and he's like, oh no, Frodo's dead. Here's a bunch of orcs coming, so he runs and hides. Luckily, the orcs are there to tell us he's not dead. 
that spider just uh, basically poisons you and then eats you alive. A little bit of exposition for the audience there. And then they decide, well, I guess we weren't really walking anywhere. We'll just take this guy back with us. Back at Minas Tirith, the battle is not going all that well. But then, luckily, that is when Theoden's army shows up. And he gives them a pretty great prep, a uh, little pep talk here, where he's, like, banging his sword against all their spears as he rides up and down. That would have got me in. Dude, I watch this before I go out sometimes. I pull up this scene on YouTube, and I'm like, let's go to war, baby. I think I would have ran into war with him after that little get hype speech there. Um, and then, yeah, then we cut back inside, and this is where... Uh, Denethor is like trying to light himself on fire along with Faramir and there's a weird altercation with Pip and then Gandalf. Oh, that's that scene. I thought that yeah. was earlier. My bad. My bad on ruining that that uh great scene. Yeah, of... really really cool scene. Gandalf <laughs> does some more magic where he uh gets Shadowfax to kick Denethor, who then just like sits there until he catches fire and then runs off and jumps off the top of Minas Tirith. <laughs> he runs really far. He runs that that is so far. And it's uh I guess if I'm on fire and there's That's there's, like there's two meters. options to be either like to just fall and continue to be on fire or to jump off the the cliff. I think i would take the jumping off the cliff part. Maybe I take uh well I don't even know who he's rooting for at this point, but maybe I take uh Yurikai or Orc with me. I think that's clearly just for visuals. They just wanted to show him falling off the top. And like, you know what? Whatever. It looks cool when he falls off the top, so... Uh, back on the battlefield, finally, we've been waiting for him. All the Tim- Timothy Oliphants show up. and uh, Love those. You want those on your side if you're fighting in a war, because these things wreck shop pretty hard for a little while there. Yeah, apparently Legolas can just take one of them down, but other than that, they uh, they do a lot of damage. That was badass. That was... Don't... that was No, I'm, I'm making fun of it a little bit, but like... That was what that was probably like the the coolest part of the action scenes for me was him just going up there shooting everyone down and then taking the Timothy Oliphant down by himself. Yeah, you thought him surfing on a shield down a staircase in the last movie was cool. Now he's gonna fucking murder an elephant and ride down its fucking its trunk like a fucking skateboard and just land right in front of fucking Gimli. That was sweet. I, I think in each movie, I'm like. Legolas isn't that cool. Like, what the fuck do we even need him for? He's not even that important. Yeah, he's kind of helpful with the shooting the arrows. But then he does like one fucking awesome thing a mo- each movie. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you, actually, you do need him. He's pretty yeah. He's pretty important to this team. Yeah, that, that scene is easily one of the coolest by far. And it's like, okay, this is what you do. You have a character who's an elf. You know, they're lighter than air or whatever. He's obviously really good with the bow and arrow. Let's let him do just something super badass using all those abilities to his advantage. It'll be mirrored again when we get to that final Gandalf versus King of the Nazgul thing. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. It's coming up soon. Theoden is on the battlefield, gets knocked down by a Nazgul. And uh, it lands. It's got the Nazgul king guy riding on its back. And Eowyn pretty effortlessly cuts off the Nazgul's head. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy, I just think that the way they set it up, that he, no man could beat him. I mean, obviously, you see earlier when Pippin oh, we're not, just... We're not there yet. She hasn't killed him yet. Just just the Nazgul's head. Okay, okay. The epic dragon-like beast just gets its head cut off pretty easily. 
but we uh, we cut to the ships are approaching on the river. They were uh, they were teased earlier that there's going to be a second army approaching via the river, so we're thinking, oh, this is going to be bad when they get reinforcements showing up. But psych, it's actually Aragorn and the Ghost Army. I like this little reveal here. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it was pretty cool. It's a it's a cool shot when Aragorn is the only one there, and then all of the ghosts appear behind him. But then we cut back to Eowyn. She's facing off 1v1 with the King of the Nazgul, or Lord of the Nazgul. I can't, he, that guy has so many different names, I'm probably mixing them all together. The Witch King the of Witch King. That's, I think, his main one. Faces off 1v1 with the Witch King. He says again, no man can kill me. She takes off her helmet and says, how about this for a technicality? And then stabs him in the face and he dies. This was easily the yeah. biggest letdown of the movie for me. Jeremy, like, I know you have strong feelings about women and you don't think that they can, you know, kill King of the Nazgul. But I think you're wrong here, dude. I know that, like, you were feeling that Gandalf set up and, you know, you're, you've been mentioning it throughout the, uh, throughout the episode that you were waiting for that Gandalf thing. I don't think this is a bad payoff, you know? I really don't, and I don't. I don't know why you hate it so much. I think you were expecting the Gandalf thing. That's why. I mean, that is why you hate it. But this isn't bad. This is cool. I think this is fucking sweet. And I, my favorite part about it is right before it when you see Pip try to like stab him, and his fucking sword literally like starts burning his hand. So there's literally like a not a hex, but there's like a like an enchantment on him. Like literally, like no man can kill him. You saw when Pip tried to stab him, his fucking sword like burned his hand off like you can't touch this guy he's literally magic he's enchanted no man can kill him and he's completely caught off guard when this girl comes up and fucking goes to stab him because he's just like okay when people stab me normally nothing happens like i'm fucking magic dude and then it just go that's that's why she can kill him so easily he's completely caught off guard you never see a woman in a battlefield like that and i don't know that 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 makes sense to me there because i thought you were gonna say like it doesn't make any sense why this badass guy goes down for one with one blow but he's completely caught off guard a1 with like a super badass moment when she takes off her helmet and she says like i am no man and just fucking yokes him right in the face that's sweet like that's like chills up your spine cool and like i know you wanted gandalf but i don't know how you can watch this scene and be like oh yeah this this sucked this was disappointing Ben, what are your thoughts on this? You know, as Bob's talking, I'm, I, you know, I, I started being more on Jeremy's side because the way they said no living man can kill him, I thought it was going to be Gandalf. And they kind of build it up and you want that scene. And I still overall agree that would have been cooler. I agree but, with that too. But you do need some payoff to Eowyn going to battle because really there's no reason for her to be there until she kills him. And, uh, yeah, like, it kind of makes sense for her to be there. They never really, she just wants to, like, back up her dad or whatever. And then it actually comes to pay off. That's, that's the only other, like, it's the secondary cool option to me. And, and it, it works. But, yeah, I, I'm left wanting a little more. And I just wish, maybe, uh, I, I don't even know how they do it. I, I wish they could have found a way for Eowyn to, like, connect with Aragorn and her end up with him. Because I don't give a fuck about Arwen. And then Gandalf kills, like, that's her payoff, that she was there, and they, they fall in love or something. And Gandalf kills uh, what, the, the king of the, the Nazgul or whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Like, but... don't, don't get me wrong. I, I totally agree with you guys there, saying that I feel like Gandalf 
would have been really cool and it would have been it would have been probably cooler but like this doesn't just because it's not gandalf in this situation doesn't make aowen's uh interaction with the witch king not cool and not fucking badass and not one of like the cooler scenes in the movie you know like obviously like i think you're you're more disappointed that it's not gandalf that you're looking past how cool the scene was you know i don't know i mean that might just be me and the way i feel about it but like I, I don't know if i'm talking about some of my favorite scenes in this movie it is this one like this is easily like a top three favorite scene in the movie for me and it always has been and it's just so weird for me for me to hear you like not like it jeremy like i don't get it i know you wanted gandalf but like this is still pretty fucking cool i think even in a vacuum the line delivery of i am no man is kind of cheesy and i i don't think that i am reading into it too much thinking that this they explicitly set up a gandalf versus the uh the uh wraith king i i keep combining all of his names together but <laughs> witch king that, that's him. the one i'm trying to go for <laughs> witch king um, they set that up pretty explicitly in two scenes. So then when it doesn't happen, I'm wondering why they set that up. And then again, it, I don't know. It, it feels similar to like the, uh, the, uh, women of Marvel team up at the end or in the fight in Endgame, where it just, it feels forced. It doesn't feel like, uh, a, a genuine girl power moment. It feels like we're almost done through the third movie and we don't really have any big female char- characters. So let's give one of them a big moment here. It, I don't know. feels a little forced. Aragorn, after uh, the ghost army, just kind of cleans up. Like as soon as they're introduced, we realize, oh, these guys are pretty OP. They just kind of killed everyone pretty quickly. Aragorn decides to let them go. He considers their oath fulfilled. And I'm kind of with Gimli here where I'm like, um... Why don't we keep them around for the next fight? Yeah, we could use them. A l- we have one more big battle to do. Maybe let's just keep them, but whatever. Aragorn, Aragorn felt like they did enough. I think it's supposed to make him look like a noble character that he's just like, no, no, like I told them just this one. But yeah, no, it's kind of just like, what do you, especially when you get to the final battle and you're like, whoa, you could have used a ghost army right now. Mm. Yeah, that that just. Bad call by him. But I think it's supposed to make him look like a noble guy. And he's like, well, their oath is fulfilled in my eyes. Even though we clearly fucking need them, I'm not going to exploit them. Back uh, with Frodo, the orcs are kind of taking all of his stuff. Then the orcs and Urukai start fighting each other because apparently they always just want to fight each other. Then it cuts to Sam walking in and apparently everyone is dead. That fight took place and basically everyone died except for a handful of either Oryx or Uruk, I don't remember what they were, that Sam has to then take out. He goes, he saves Frodo. Turns out he had the ring. He took it from Frodo because he thought he was dead, but he gives it back to Frodo. And uh, all, all their fighting from earlier, it's resolved now. They're all homies again. You love to see it. They get to This Mordor. is, uh, here, Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to cut, cut in there. This is another one in the extended edition. This entire scene when they're in the tower... There's about like 20 to 25 minutes like cut. Like the whole scene of them when they, when they, uh, you're about to get to it, but when they put on the, the orc armor and stuff, and even when they're like fighting in the tower, like the orcs fighting in the tower, and then like Sam getting up there, literally there's like 25 minutes cut. So like when I was rewatching this too, I was like, well, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like it, it, this, this is probably one of the bigger moments that was cut from the, uh, the theatrical compared to the extended. 
Uh, they get to Mordor, however, as soon as they kind of walk out of that little tower there. And I really like the effect of the Eye of Sauron looking around and kind of projecting light as it looks around, kind of manically. I think that looks really cool. Um, back in Minas Tirith, Aragorn decides, hey, why don't we go and try to distract Sauron so that Frodo and Sam can make the final little distance there. And so they decide to ride towards Mordor. The Eye definitely sees Frodo as he's standing there, but I guess we'll just pretend he didn't because he fell down just at the right moment, apparently. They make it look very much like Sauron saw him, and I thought that that's where it was going from there. But then right after, they're like, okay, he didn't see us. Yeah, he de- he definitely saw him there. But I'm just going to go with that. He thought it was a different orc or some shit. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but when I was watching it, I thought that he got down right on time. It looks like Sam dives and he's like, Frodo, get down. And then the eye is like pretty much directly on Frodo for a good couple of seconds. And I thought the eye was what made Frodo fall. I didn't think Frodo was trying to be smart there, but. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely felt like Sauron saw, oh, there's a couple hobbits hiding around over there. I wonder if those are the ones with the ring. But luckily the army gets to the gate and draw the eye's gaze away from them. And then Aragorn trying to top Theoden's pump-up speech, says, A day may come when the courage of men fails, but today is not that day. Again, if I survived that last battle, I'd be pumped again. I'd be like, sure, let's do it. Let's keep rolling the dice. And I like when Gimli is like, before, even before when they go and his line is like, all the odds against us, we're probably going to die. What are we waiting for? Let's get going here. Yep. Another good Gimli line right after uh, Aragorn's awesome speech, or maybe during, I don't remember. But when he's just like, look at me, I'm going to die next to an elf. And he's just like, well, what about dying next to a friend? I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he said, I, and I think I cried a little. (laughs) Yeah, that was fucking sweet. Uh, Sam and Frodo make it to Mount Doom. Frodo passes out. Sam says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And then it looks like he struggles to take another step after that. But we'll give him a pass because that was a pretty awesome line there. Um, Back outside the gate, Aragorn clearly got everyone pumped because they decide they're all just going to run in and uh, start storming to attack Sauron's army. Back on Mount Doom, Gollum is back. We had a fake-out death before. I think we forgot to talk about it around the time of the spider. Our final fake-out death of the series was Gollum, but no worries. He is back, trying to steal the ring once more. Cut back to the battle outside. Things aren't looking good, but have no fear. The eagles are here. Ben, I know you were waiting for him. You're like, I know the eagles are coming. They set it up this whole movie. The eagles are going to come back. Yeah, I know this is... They had um, Gandalf in the first one hop on an eagle, and my whole plan the whole time was... Let's just have Gandalf and Frodo ride on one of those right into Mordor. They never decided to do that, but it, it really bothers me. This is, Jeremy, your point about they introduced things like late in the, the movie. This was the only one I had, a tr- I had trouble with because why weren't we utilizing these things way earlier? Like the bad guys get Nazgul, aka just dragons, and then Timothy Oliphants that are like the size of skyscrapers, but we can't use the one flying animal that we have. We're just using horses. Let's utilize these things. It was pretty badass, but I wish we would have used it the whole time. 
Yeah, this is like a famous like not plot hole, but like if, if, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the memes about this. Like they're like, "Oh, just use the eagle." It's like it, 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 it's like it's almost the movie is famous for this because yeah, Ben, you're absolutely right. Why the fuck were they not using them the whole time? They completely come out of nowhere, and I mean, not completely out of nowhere. You obviously it's mentioned in the first movie, and I don't know. I've like looked into this too because yeah, this is this one's a hard one to defend. Um, the only thing that I know is I know it's more prominent in the books and not necessarily these Lord of the Rings books, but like Tolkien's other writings, the Eagles are more prominent, but yeah, they just completely fucking come out of nowhere. And I don't really know why. And it's just, it's almost like one of the things the movie is famous for is just this complete like save by the Eagles, you know, like, I don't know. It's not, a, it's not something I dislike. It's just something that I'm just like, no, it's here. And it's one of those things that, 20 years later is one of the things the movie is famous for. Whether you like it or not, it's one of the more famous parts of this trilogy. Back on Mount Doom, Frodo and Sam still pretty far from the top. Luckily, they can cut through the gift shop exit. There's a nice little platform that leads right into the center of the mountain where they can destroy the ring. Uh, Frodo gets there. He gets cold feet last second, decides, nope, I'm going to take the ring for myself. Puts it on, goes invisible. Gollum comes back in yet again, fights Frodo for it, bites his finger off. Pretty, uh, pretty gruesome. Dude. Oh man, the fact that he found the the one finger with the ring, pretty impressive. Yeah, dude. To him. Right, Ouchtown population, Frodo, <laughs> dude. That looks painful. Yeah, I think I would have just backed out there and been like, "We fucking lost this." I think instead of you know how he kind of wrestles with them. Yeah, Joe, you can finish it. I'm just going two hands to Gollum. I'm not fucking around here. I'm not like trying to get it back from. Like they wrestle a little bit. Like my my hands fucking hurting. From stiff that. arm. Yeah, I'm yeah. stiff arming. Gollum's a little piece of shit. I'm I'm just using two hands, using all my might, and getting him the fuck out of there. Uh, they do they do fight a little bit more. Ultimately, they both kind of tumble off the edge. Gollum and the ring fall into the lava. Luckily, Frodo is able to catch himself. Sam is able to pull him back up, and we see the ring. Fall into the lava, but not before glowing and revealing the, I assume, elvish writing on it. Yeah. Did uh, Jeremy, I don't know about you, but for me, I almost thought, I uh, part of me thought Frodo was going to fall in. Like, I, like I, when it first happened, I'm like, okay, he's obviously not in there. And then when he, him and Sam were looking at each other and Sam's like, don't let go, um, I, I thought he was going to just let go. I really did. I, I, was, I, I was fooled. I shouldn't have been fooled because this is a movie that obviously was going to have a happy ending and I was fooled. At that point I hadn't thought that but when uh Frodo first says no, I thought maybe Sam would have to push him in. But when that didn't happen, I figured no, we're going for the happy ending here. Here's my question to you guys. Um if Frodo falls in, obviously the ending is different, but is the actual like outcome of the movie any different? No, I I think it's still like a, it almost has like a little somber bit of an ending. Like I, I almost would have liked it more. But like me too. I totally feel like <laughs> I would have almost rather have him fall in because it would have given it's you still a, a sad ending. ending. Yeah, because they won and the ring is destroyed, but like Frodo was a casualty bad. of it, and I don't I, think that's like bad. I don't know. Like no. I, I I I always wish I don't wish that he fell in, but like I almost just feel like it would have made it more intense. No, I was hoping he would he would fall in there or something, and then like the ending instead of all the things that in, ensue. I I was thinking there would be like I even pictured it, Jeremy. This is how real I thought it was. I thought there was going to be like this statue of Frodo. I I really thought this was going to happen. 
I, and I'm a little bummed it didn't, even though I, I don't wish Frodo was dead, but I kind of wish he died. Yeah, I could see that being a better ending. But uh, they make it outside the mountain, and Gandalf and the eagles come to the rescue. So we know that the eagles can fly to Mount Doom. They just chose not to for the last two movies. <laughs> um, and then we get into uh, this movie ending for the next 40 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> the whole time I was watching this, in my head I'm like, okay, this is almost over. I can, I can start kind of gathering my thoughts. And then it's just, no, it's just, no, you can't fucking. Bro, that's the other thing this movie is also, the Eagles memes are, are a cool part of this movie is the internet memes of the Eagles. The other big thing you see is the endings. Literally, there's so many fucking endings. The first ending is the weirdest. You see Frodo wake up in a bed. Gandalf Creepy. is just standing over him laughing. Uh, Mary and Pip come in and start jumping on the bed in slow motion. All the other, all of our favorite <laughs> actors walk in the doors slow motion one by one it's super bright and like oversaturated it, it this looks like a parody of like a fantasy movie this whole scene it looked like they were in heaven. it was so stupid it sucks that one was that one was that was without a doubt out of all the endings the worst one can we agree on that yeah yes. worst ending um then we see aragorn getting crowned king and he sings a little weird didn't need that. There were like two. He sang and then Pip sang a song earlier in the in the movie. I'm like, what are these songs for? There's actually a soundtrack that my cousin, my cousin that loves these movies, used in to Spanish? play them in, in the car. Well, yeah, these ones we watched, we listened to in English. <laughs> but she used to play Aragorn singing. There's like a longer cut that she had on CD. Same with Pip's song. She used to play them all the time in the car, and it was it was weird. Uh, he makes his little walk down through. Uh all the people there, and Liv Tyler's back. That made it all worth it, right, guys? The fact that he had to make out with Arwen right in front of Eowyn was kind of ultimate <laughs> I was waiting move. for the cut to Eowyn. I, I was, you cowards, you won't do it. <laughs> yeah. I guess they, they solved their issues off screen, maybe. Who knows? Um, and then there's the moment where uh, all the hobbits bow to him, and he says, you bowed to no one. And then everyone bows to the hobbits. And uh, I, I did listen Could have just to ended a, it there. I listened to a podcast review of this movie. And the one guy made a pretty funny point. He's like, do you think uh, Frodo and Sam were like, uh, yeah, he meant us, Mary and Pip. You guys should be bowing to us, <laughs> yeah. by the way. They're not bowing to you. I was very bothered by that. I <laughs> yeah. was very, like, they were the two biggest fuck ups. Like, what, they should be bowing as well. Like, they Sam made the and journey. Frodo are the huge heroes. Yeah, they made it significantly harder for them to get this fucking task done. Mary and Pippin only <laughs> fuck shit up. Then we get to the ending that I wanted more of, which is when they're back at the Shire, they're kind of chilling at the bar, and nobody cares about them at all. They just went on this epic journey. They saved all these people's lives, but nobody knows it. They don't get any recognition. I could have, I would have taken another 45 minutes of them trying to cope with the fact that they just they can't live a normal life anymore. They had this insane experience that no one else can relate to and no one even recognizes them for it i could have you guys want to hear a bit of that want to hear something whack as fuck so in the books so saruman doesn't die in the way that i described earlier in the books they get back to the shire and saruman took the shire over oh shit and they have to like fight him off and like gain control of the shire back this movie is that eight hours long 
<laughs> right, dude. But is, isn't that crazy? Like that's what happens in the books. But like, yeah, it just seems completely out of place. But yeah, I I think it's kind of cool how they get back. Not cool, but like I think it's kind of interesting that it's like, yeah, these guys are anywhere else in Middle Earth are like the most famous people, but in the Shire they're just like, oh, where they go for a year. Yeah, if I was them, I'd be like, you guys want to? Maybe we should stay in the Shire. People were bowing to us back in Gondor. Maybe we should go there. Yeah, I just assume that's why Frodo was depressed at the end. Because he's like, where's my fame and riches? That would make sense. Uh, Sam gets married. That was important for us to know. Alright, I'm sorry guys. This whole time, when they're showing scenes between Sam and Frodo at the end... Oh Ben, your theory was 100% proven (laughs) in this movie. They are in love with each other. This is my ultimate theory of why Frodo left. He's depressed because he can't be with Sam. Sam's in love with this woman. He's in love with Sam, but he can't be with him. And so yeah. he needs to leave. That's that's, that. that's 100% hey, correct. I'll let you guys know, when I was watching this with my girlfriend, she thought the exact same thing. She did a little bit of Googling, and there is a lot of fan fiction out there about the exact outcome you just, just described, Ben. <laughs> it's so right. They it, are in it, love it, with each other. I don't need the fan it's, fiction. It is pretty explicit in this movie. <laughs> I, I will, you know, and, and I, I sort of have blinders on when I watch this movie, and she kept pointing it out. She's like, are they? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, um, no. Like, are they? I'm like, no, no. Watch the movie. They're really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they're like your two. If they were lesbians, they would have been the, the two aunts that live with you. You'd be like, oh, that's just her special friend. Dude, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, are, they are together. If this movie's made now... They are together in yeah. the end. And uh, I think it's these, a more satisfying ending to me. These books were written in the 50s, right? So, yeah, they were really good friends, and that meant something different in the 50s because <laughs> it wasn't point. quite as accepted back then. <laughs> but, yeah, Ben, you were absolutely correct in that. Hey, I saw this on E! as a young boy, and for some reason it's another memory carved into my head. When Sam is with his wife, those are his real children, real real kids. Brought oh. into, and, yeah. Congrats. Good for him. Yeah, right? Uh, let me see Frodo writing the book of the Lord of the Rings. Pretty meta. I read the first 29 pages of that. He's a pretty good writer. <laughs> uh, let me see Bilbo. He's back. Apparently he didn't die yet. And, uh, then eventually Bilbo, Frodo, Gandalf, and Elrond, and, uh, Galadriel. Is that her name? Yeah. They all, they all take a boat to, uh, Elfland leaving uh, Sam and Marion Pitt behind. And that is finally where this movie ends. I just don't know why Frodo went then. Like, I know why for me, but what's the movie's theory? He just... Honestly, because he got stabbed for some reason. I think it's... Yeah, it's got, like, long-lasting effects on him is what they make it out to be is... And he, I think also that he can't live a normal life after having this giant adventure. Like, he feels weird going back to the Shire... We mentioned it earlier, yeah. Now, I don't think that he wants to be looked at as like a hero. I just think that his regular life to him is just dead, you know? Like, he, after everything he went, everything that happened to him, he can't go back to his normal life. He's got those effects from being stabbed by the ring wraith blade and, and all that. And I'll be honest with you guys, other than that, other than like what the movie shows you, I really don't know why he went with them. And I, like, wanted to look it up. Like, I just looked on, like, Wikipedia and, like, a few, like, articles and stuff. 
And there's like a lot of like theories about why he went. And I, I really don't know. It doesn't, it, it seems unnecessary. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to all the endings, I think the only one we need probably would have been probably uh, when Aragorn becomes king. Maybe do that a little differently. Don't show Eowyn. Uh, just have him fucking be with Arwen. And then maybe the one where they go back to the Shire and they're just kind of like, oh, what the fuck? You know, let's go back to our regular lives. Other than that, you don't need those other weird endings. You don't need this one sending them off in the boats or bringing Bilbo back. I just think that it was weird. Like, I don't know. It, it, for me, the movie ends when the Eagles pick him up. I, I, someone that's seen it before, and I rewatched it for the podcast, obviously. But, like, if I were watching this on my own, like, just for fun, like, oh, let me, let me throw on Return of the Kings. Uh, right after the Eagles pick him up, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm not watching anything else. I know, I know what happens, and it's just not, it's nothing special. Two quick questions before we get into our rankings here. Number one, did they say Return of the King in this movie? Yes. Very yeah, close. shot. In the beginning. I wish I could remember, but I remember as I was watching it. I think they, they say the name of each movie in each movie, but it's always early. This one was early, too. It was early in Two Towers, and it was early in this one. I forgot who fucking said it. I think Thayden said it. Okay. I don't think I caught it this time. Um, I, he said, I think he said that they can't deny the return of the king or something. I think it was Thayden. Uh, was it better utilized that I didn't even catch it because it made sense this time? Probably. Um, and then the one lingering question I have at the end of this trilogy, Bilbo Baggins, how long did he have the ring and how did he not go full corrupto it's, like it's Frodo the, almost did in a week or whatever? Or in, I guess it was longer no, than a week. No, it's but, 13 months, right? They say 13 it, months. Yeah. Had the, 13 months, yeah. Right. But didn't he have it for like 60 years or something like that? Yeah. It's the biggest complaint I have about this whole movie because, and the fact that it's supposed to delay the aging process. And then, so he's 111 and then he's just all of a sudden 111, even though he's, he's really like 50. It, it, he should have been young still when he's walking off. And also he would have been way more corrupt or Sauron would have just already destroyed everyone by now. Cause he always wore the fucking ring. So that's my biggest I, complaint. I think this is stuff that is probably answered better in the Hobbit. Maybe not the movies, probably the books or the Hobbit book. And I think it's probably also better answered in the Lord of the Rings books. Cause I kind of agree with you guys. It, it sort of does what the root the ring does and the way it affects people isn't really solid it's not super clear it's pretty ambiguous and i don't know it's just i i agree with that criticism i'll be honest with you but it's just i mean it's just how it is i don't know all right ben let's hear it we've seen all three movies you and i for the first time where do you rank them yeah, uh, it's pretty easy for me. I think uh, me and Bob are going to be on a similar page here. I'm going Return of the King, uh, the Twin Towers, Two Towers, whatever it's called, sorry, and uh, then Fellowship. Fellowship. So re reverse order? Reverse, yeah. For me, it's, uh, it's not what I would have guessed, but I would say Two Towers, Fellowship, Return of the King. Wow. Two, wow, one, three. Jeremy. I hate to tell you that you're wrong. I would, I would truly, I feel, I almost feel bad for you, Jeremy, that you don't enjoy these movies the proper <laughs> way. But uh, I, I'm going to echo what Ben said. It's uh, three, two, one for me. Absolutely. It's interesting. I, uh, I did listen to a podcast about these movies, and 
their rankings were all over the place. They all had different personal rankings, and then when they tried to come to a consensus, I believe they went one. They went Fellowship, Return of the King, Two Towers. So they said Fellowship was the best. Yep. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Bob. I think uh, from you know just the quick research I've done, it seems like they're all everyone's opinions are all over the place. You could ask however many different combinations there are nine nine different people get nine different answers but i don't know it, clearly we're disproving that since uh, you two seem to be on the same page but i just love return of the king and i just i just i just think after after everything you've been through in the first two movies it's just like an epic conclusion and that's what i like about it is that's the the finality of it is is pretty cool to me two towers is is uh very very close though i'll, I'll say that Unfortunately, though, it was not the best movie of 2003. Wasn't that Holes, I think, what ended up being the best movie of 2003? <laughs> I think Here, Holes won. <laughs> here's my question. Do you guys finally understand no. the Lord of the Rings rule? I don't. Well, Jeremy, uh, I know you. Jeremy, I know you fucking don't. Ben, did Ben, do you at least a little bit? I will never understand your fucking dumbass rule that, like, we picked, what was it? Dark Knight ended up being the best movie of the decade, which makes sense to me. But also, this trilogy won best movie of the day. I'll never understand your stupid logic. It's on its, it's, on its own level. <laughs> well, next week, we got no more Lord of the Rings to do. We're not moving on to The Hobbit. I heard those suck. I haven't even seen them. <laughs> Instead, we are going to be watching a new movie. A first for the podcast, we're going to be watching a movie on Apple TV+, Plus, which... Uh, could be an interesting experience. I'm not even sure how to watch a movie on Apple TV Plus outside of my phone. And that wouldn't be my first choice. I can't wait. We're going to be watching the Russo Brothers movie, Cherry. Pretty dang excited about that, personally. It looks very good. And Ben, sounds like you might be able to provide us some insight based on the book. Yeah, go read the book first instead, because... Uh... I'm going to go ahead and already be that asshole who says it. The book's better than the movie, and that's without seeing the movie. Wow, a bold call. We will see if that remains true next week. In the meantime, thank you for listening, and remember, today is not that day. We'll see you next week.